I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcast, but also as well, Game Source and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We are bringing back Inside Fantasy Football for another great season that starts this week. We are recording the episode tonight, so looking forward to going ahead and talking fantasy football here on ISFF. Also as well, Ox1947, he is all over LakersBall.com. Go ahead and hear what he has to say each and every day at LakersBall.com. Our good friends Jamie Sweet and Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Please support them at LakerHolics.com. Our good friend John McCallion, you could go ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel today for some great conversations as well. And speaking of subscribing, please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. We've got a great team preview of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, we'll talk some NBA Cup in-season tournament scheduling today as well. But also tomorrow, we're going to be talking the Orlando Magic. And on Thursday, the Charlotte Hornets. Friday, we've got an in-depth look at the NBA schedule for the Los Angeles Lakers. And this weekend, Lakerholics, of course, their spotlight always on the weekends. And I might even have a Knicks preview as well. So go ahead. If you subscribe today, you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Well, good evening, everyone. It is again uh, Gerald Glassford with Joe Soro and a great guest today. He is a man who goes ahead and does some great things for Fear the Sword, a great Cavs blog that's out there. He has many great articles waiting for you to read that get you more knowledgeable on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, on top of that, he's also talking the Pistons on the Palace of Pistons podcast. That's part of the Believe Network. And actually, I'll ask him, because I haven't heard back from the representative on the Pistons. I'll ask him if he wants to stop by later on this month to talk to Pistons as well. It is Mike Anguilano and Mike, great to have you here. Appreciate you taking the time to speaking to us today. Welcome to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Talk some Cavs, talking some Lakers, and yes, I could even uh, dip in on the Pistons if necessary. 
Well, I definitely would like to have to bring it back for a full conversation on the Pistons because I have a lot of things I would love to talk to you about when it concerns the Pistons because <laughs> they are uh, uh, they're an enigma per se. A lot of talent, uh, but a direction, I think, is probably the best way to say it. I got to see them up close on a couple occasions at Summer League here a couple weeks ago. So I definitely would love to have you come back on the, uh, on another day and time to give a full hour, hour and a half on the Detroit Pistons. If you have the time to do so, we'd be indebted to you again. Uh, but today is all about the Cavs and the NBA Cup. Uh, I know that you as well got your schedule for the four games for the oh-so-inspiring NBA Cup in-season tournament. Your thoughts on this? You are actually talking today about the Cavs team, a team that's on the rise. Many people are predicting here in Vegas, where I'm at, that they could be a team that might actually has a good chance for taking the regular in-season crown, so to speak, as far as the number wins. That's their that's their ceiling. There's actually a, a lot of money being placed on them as an outside chance or a good chance to go ahead and do that. So a team with a promising, promising outlook. A little bit more depth added this season. Is this in-season NBA Cup, you know, as a Cavs fan, really anything to really be you know, excited about? Because here I can tell you, for most part, us Lakers fans just see it as, oh, great, LeBron and AD get another game if they go ahead and win it all, <laughs> or even lose in the in the finals. Right. Um, it's a great question, and I think it's a question that a lot of NBA fans are sort of trying to grasp um the nba cup is an odd name the in season tournament is a little odd as well um so i think it's not just gonna be lakers fans sort of thinking hmm, i don't know if this is gonna be worth my time i think that's gonna be the general nba fan uh we don't know how it's gonna go we don't know how it's gonna look you know uh, all but the championship game count as regular season games all those statistics are going to count um, it's only, you know, only quote unquote, only it's only, you know, $500,000 per player for the winning team. It's, it's, a uh, you know, it's going to be a feel it out sort of deal, um, for how players are going to approach this, um, whether they're going to be sitting out in season tournament games for injury purposes, you know, the Kawhi Leonard's, the, um, you know, the, the usual suspects of let's rest up, let's see how the rest of the season turns out and, um, get ready for the actual championship later on in 2024. So it's, it's going to be a feel it out. You know, I think for some of the smaller market teams, the Orlando magics that are the kind of middle ground up and coming, you know, could sneak up on a veteran team and win some basketball games. I think it's going to be um, much more uh, exciting for them. Uh, But for the Cavs fan, you know, I think it's going to be another opportunity to get on the national spotlight. Um, this is a team that was plucky two years ago, uh, with just Garland and just Mobley and just Jared Allen. Um, last year, they kind of moved up into, oh, this is a team that could, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. They didn't, um, but you know, they were the number one overall, uh, team in rating, you know, in, um, in terms of, uh, their plus minus, uh, they had the number one defense in the league. Um, so. You know, I, I, I think there's some higher expectations for necessarily a regular season championship, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Um, but it'll be it'll be very interesting league-wide to see how players approach 
um, and the ultimate championship being, you know, 500 grand and something called the NBA cup. And then you have to go right back to playing regular season games, getting ready for December, um, Christmas day, you know, some of the more, more watched games uh, of the season and then getting into the deadline. It'll be very, very interesting to see how they approach um, suddenly having games in November means something more than just um, feeling out which lineups work and what rotations should look like. Before I go ahead and turn it over some of the questions next to both Joe Soro and Sean Grice, once again, it is Mike Anguano. Please go ahead and check out what he does with Fear the Sword, a great, great Cavs blog site for SB Nation and also as well what he does for the Believe Network for the Palace of Pistons podcast. I do want to ask you this. Uh, uh, Bobby Marks from ESPN said he would love to see the winner be guaranteed a playoff spot. I am not so high on that personally because, again, you're dealing with something that what at max is six games part of, of the of the of the regular season what takes up and for instance the lakers lakers games were announced today in the nba cup uh, they are to everybody out there if you haven't heard it on the 10th of november they're at phoenix the 14th of november they're at home versus memphis the 17th of november they're at portland and the 21st of november they're at home versus utah Again, if they win the NBA Cup or even lose in the finals, that's six games overall during the course of an 82-game season. How much importance should you weigh on this? Do you agree with Bobby Mark's statements of ESPN that a playoff spot should be on the line for the winner? No, I don't yet. I, I think it's a matter of, uh, again, seeing how guys approach uh, this inaugural year. Um if it looks like players are not taking very seriously, it doesn't really matter to them. You know, $500,000 to an NBA star is not exactly an insignificant amount of money, but it's not a ton of money, especially when we see contracts going up and up and up and up and up. Um, maybe down the line, uh, they do have something more high stakes, like a guaranteed playoff spot, you know, for the Orlando Magics of the world, the Sacramento Kings of the world, the uh, you know, maybe the Portland Trailblazers in two years when they have Cooper Flag, maybe, um, you know, they are that that might be a lot more enticing to them of like, hey, let's sneak in. Let's sneak in. However, just like the NBA or I'm sorry, the MLB pitch clock uh, rearing, you know, potentially rearing its head in, in, a, in a playoff series and, walk, you know, leading to a walk in run. All it's going to take is for a four, you know, the 14th seed in the East to sneak in and win this thing on accident and then knock out a real playoff team later on in the season for the NBA to probably scrap that idea. So, you know, it's in, it, it's very interesting. It, as a fan, it makes me a lot more interested uh, it, with, a, with a guaranteed playoff spot. I don't think that's the way to go just yet. I think it's important to, like I said a few times, feel it out see how players react to having this, this extra pressure in the middle of November. Um, and then, uh, you know, what, what the current financial gains are for participating and winning, or at least getting to the quarterfinals, I think guarantees you I think 50 grand or a hundred thousand dollars. So I think it's a feel it out year first, but having like a, like a automatically get in to the playoffs would be, as a fan, super, super interesting. I am here for Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, like sneaking into the playoffs uh, at, you know, accidentally because they catch, you know, Miami sleeping one day or whatever. It's funny if the Detroit Pistons 
who are still not thought of high, but could actually get to that point. The only one, let's say they have a 20, 25 game or 25 win season and five of those wins or six, excuse me, six of those wins would come in the tournament cup. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> I'm sure the NBA would love that. Um, or, but I also said up previously when they first announced it, the, if something happens in that final game here in Las Vegas, where somebody gets injured, a star player gets injured, uh, you could hear the players' union just screaming for it to end, this whole tournament yeah. to end. Yep. That's all it would take. Uh, once again, it is Mike Anguilano. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Fear the Sword and also as well the Palace of Pistons podcast. Joe Soro is here. He is the man behind Oxide 247 at Lakerholics.com. To get into our team preview on the Cavs or anything else he wants to go ahead and talk about. And at the end of the show, we'll also hear his thoughts, Mike's thoughts, on the Los Angeles Lakers and where he thinks they're at. Joe Soro is here. Joe, start away, my friend. The questions with Mike on the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that is very much on a lot of people's minds as a really strong candidate for a great regular season in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they've already had a good regular season last year. They didn't obviously advance where they probably could have. But my question to you, Mike, is, is Cleveland a destination for a super a disgruntled superstar? Not James Harden. Forget about him. Let's say Joel Embiid. Let's say Joel Embiid gets tired of Philly, looks at the Cleveland roster, and says, you know what? Those guys can send enough to Philly with some draft picks and still keep a good core there for a championship run. Could that be something in the future that could happen if it was to present itself? Obviously, most of these stars don't want to go to places like Cleveland and Minnesota and New Orleans. They want to go to Miami and L.A. But if I'm his agent and you're really looking for a title – and you're looking to still make the money you want to make, obviously, would that be a destination that would make sense? And I'm using Cleveland as an example because they have enough talent to weather a trade. See, the reason why Damian Lillard and James Harden can't get traded isn't because they don't want it, isn't, isn't because Portland and, 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 and Philly doesn't want to trade them. It's that they both want to go to certain areas that just don't have enough to give back. It's a great question. Um, if you had asked me this like two years ago, I would have said, yeah, they're, they're prime for a, a consolidation move. Um, I think they already made that consolidation move for a superstar in getting Donovan Mitchell. Not to say that I think they would say no if Philadelphia and Daryl Morey came calling about Joel Embiid. Um, that's obviously super enticing. Uh, but just to it would just depend on the cost. You know, are you giving up Evan Mobley? That, that, that might scare the front office. Are you giving up Donovan Mitchell? Probably not. You're not doing that. Are you giving up Darius Garland? You just gave a max to, I don't necessarily know if you'd want to do that with a big, who's going to be approaching 30 very quickly has had a history of injuries. Um, it's, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, they are very happy with Jared Allen. They're very happy with their current core. Um, they they rebuffed some uh, moves to move Allen. Uh, Portland and the Pelicans were were two teams that were interested in Jared Allen in the offseason. 
Um, and they kind of said no. Um, not that they are not accepting offers for Allen, but the Sixers are going to want much more than Jared Allen and draft picks and Isaac Okoro thrown in there. They're going to want something significant. And I don't know if the Cavs are going to be willing to do that, um, especially with the impending max contract that Donovan Mitchell is going to want. They're going to have to pay him as well or move on from him. If he you know, tells the front office, I'm not going to stay in Cleveland. I want to go to the Knicks like I thought I was going to. So the Cavs are, they are flexible. They have some picks to move around. They have some young players that they could move if they wanted to go and make another consolidation move. I don't necessarily think they should do that. Um, their consolidation move happened last offseason when they kind of swooped in and grabbed Mitchell for what at the time seemed like you know a steal. Laurie Markkinen was kind of an on-and-off small forward. Agbaji was a pretty unknown first rounder. The pick swaps are, are unknowns for right now, but and then and then Colin Sexton there, you know, the Jazz are already looking to move on from. So that was their consolidation move was getting Mitchell. I think if Daryl Morey came calling about Embiid and was and started asking for Mobley and Allen and Garland or you know any combination of you know three of the core four plus draft picks, I think Kobe Altman would probably say, yeah, thanks, but. No thanks. We'll let it. We'll let a, another team take a risk on uh, an oft-injured big who um, is a is approaching an age where some of those injuries are going to start to catch up to him. Also here today, good man indeed. Uh, let's Joe. Did you have anything before I turn over to Sean? Or I'm good. Thank you, Mike. All right. All right. I will say right now, he is the madman from Toronto. He just did get out of Toronto traffic to talk to Mike Aguilano today about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the LA Lakers, and more. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. Sean, before I hit up Mike with my own Evan Mobley question, as uh, as you know, I'm a USC you know, big-time fan, so I will go ahead and ask him on that. Your thoughts, though, Sean, uh, when you talk to Mike about what your thoughts and feelings are, so what kind of questions did you have on the Cavs? Uh, Mike, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, man. Really, uh, really enjoy your work. Um, my question to you is uh, – who do you see as the starting five right now? Because I think we kind of have an idea of, of four of the five spots. Obviously, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell likely uh, are in the backcourt. And then in the front court, we have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Who do you think is their three? Do you think they go back to Okoro, or do you think it's Max Struess's job? Boy, that's a great question. And I don't know if J.B. Bickerstaff would have that answer right now either. Um I think they're going to end up rolling with Okoro again. I don't know how long that's going to last. They really tinkered with the three throughout the year. Um, Karis Levert has had time there. Uh, Max Struess will have plenty of time there. Um, you know, I, but the defense um, of Isaac Okoro is going to be his calling card. Um, how about Niang? That's an interesting one. Um, he seems like he could slot in at the three as a super big three, but to, seems more like he's going to be the backup four. Or if they want to play Evan Mobley at the five, then and, and then stretch at the four, they'll they'll put uh, Niang at the four. I would think that you know I I was on Team Dean Wade <laughs> entering last year, and for a little while that seemed like a okay idea, you know, as as a stretchy four that kind of played more like a three. Um, it did not work out. He had a really terrible second half of the season, but I think they're going to roll with like uh, with Isaac Okoro. I would not be surprised if it 
goes matchup to matchup and, and, and they go with Struess, especially if he's hitting, it's going to be much like last year, trying to see what fits. I think Karis Levert being the, the backup sort of six man, being the backup point guard now with Ricky Rubio, uh, you know, on leave for mental health reasons, the backcourt is a little bit a little bit uh, different now than it was about a month ago. I, I would say Isaac Okoro, um, but they I would not be surprised if they're rotating in every other week, you know, every two weeks uh, based on the hot hand, you know, and how, how the team is playing. Um, Okoro shot much better from the corner uh, from deep. That was very positive. He's still not somebody you can trust in isolation. You can't hand him the ball and say, go to work. Um, he's a guy that's going to rely on cuts He's going to rely on off-ball movement, and he's going to rely on, you know, hitting shots from the corner. The defense is not something I'm concerned about, especially when you have those two bigs behind him. But I think it's going to be Okoro to start. They're going to give him an opportunity, um, and this is really his last opportunity, I think, as well to, you know, to cement himself as a starting caliber wing uh, in in the NBA. He's had lots of ups ups and downs, but I think I'm going to roll with him at least one more time. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was the last skywalker i know condolences to me wow man nice i i just had talked about that and i completely forgot that i saw that movie yes (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't speak great things about it i suppose that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts once again, it is Mike Angolano. Please go ahead and check out his great work today at Fear the Sword, part of SB Nation. Also as well, you need to go ahead and check out him on the Believe Podcast Network for the Palace of Pistons, which again, I'm inviting him to come back on the show to talk some Pistons because I think that would be a really, really good conversation because I have many questions when it concerns the Detroit Pistons this year <laughs> uh, and this upcoming season and their mindset as far as that's concerned. But Getting back to the Cavs, uh, as I, I told you, I once uh, attended USC for a little cup, well, a cup of coffee, per se. So I've always had an affinity for the school. I may go back one day to get my master's. But I wanted to ask you this. As a fan of USC sports, obviously the Mobley brothers come to mind. But Evan Mobley, he is not broken out 
to the level I think many people have predicted, especially after his first year where he finished so high as a rookie. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the top three rookies that, that had played for that year, and he has incrementally increased in his overall play. But the fact that I say incrementally has been a problem to some as far as his progression is concerned because people were asking and looking forward to seeing a bigger step from him. You were talking about how the front office may be a little bit squeamish in a Joel Embiid offering, should that happen, or big superstar offering, a consolidation-type trade, putting Evan Mobley into the mix. I think he would have to be at the center of it. Let's just put it out there. But as we, if the same thing happens this year that's happened the previous two years, where it's an, only an incremental jump, I understand he's only, what, 22, 23 at this point in time? He's 22. Yeah, 22. I understand that. But if you're only seeing incremental jumps from him when your team, in order to probably get over the top in the Eastern Conference, needs a little bit more than that, will the possibility grow bigger and bigger as far as the patience by the front office, the patience by the fan base in Cleveland may want something more and may actually be more open to an Evan Mobley trade? Um, it's kind of interesting when you look at his progression particularly on, on the offensive side i'm strictly going to talk about offense his defense is still defensive player of the year caliber um he still is a very good perimeter defender for being as big as he is he's still a very good rim no protector doubt about that. um so speaking from an offensive an offensive perspective because that's where the growth is gonna shine the most um particularly if he can develop uh, everybody wants him to shoot from deep that's what they want he's huge he has an oddly good handle for being so big. Um, being able to shoot gives you inklings of like Kevin Garnett uh, with his defensive abilities, but adding a, a, a jumper would really push him over the edge. I don't think that the Cavs are going to be quick to move on or, or, or try to you know, dangle him for a stud right now if he does go off to a bit of a slow start. His progression was a little stunted by the addition of Donovan Mitchell. You know, you add another ball-dominant player in Mitchell, a guy who needs the ball in his hands to be really effective, a guy who's going to take a significant portion of shots away from the you know the rest of the team in the aggregate. Um, that leaves Evan Mobley to kind of be, uh, you know, operating from the elbow, be a playmaker from the elbow, um, allows him to maintain being a rim runner, which we saw his rookie year he was very good at. Um, him and Garland had some you know, some good camaraderie in the pick and roll. So I think they're going to see what he looks like this year. Not going to make any major justifications to trade him. You know, he's still like, like you said, he's 22. He's still very young, still lots of time to develop. Darius Garland, a player who was not good in his rookie season was very poor, actually got better second year, third year really started to show up, you know, some, some breakout characteristics and then was named an all-star. So it's an important year for Evan Mobley from an offensive perspective. Um, adding the shooting around uh, the rest of the roster like they did, I think, is going to open things up. He's very good around the rim. He has very good touch. He has post moves. Again, he's 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 a big guy. Um, ultimately, uh, seeing how they mesh in year two with Mitchell is going to be really interesting. But, you know, let's just say that Donovan Mitchell says, I want to go to New York. Thanks for the cup of coffee in Cleveland but we're out, you know, I'm out. Um, and they go, you know, and they went ahead and traded Mobley for a Joel Embiid. Now 
now you're in a really horrible position. You are the team with very few assets and Darius Garland, who's probably on his way to being disgruntled. I they, they, they can't afford to move on from Evan Mobley. And I think he showed enough um, that he has a place in the starting lineup from, from here on out. And again, you have another year with Mitchell. You have another year of um, seeing how the backcourt meshes. You have a lot of shooting around him now. That's that's going to open things up. I mean, if you saw some of the some of the games last year, the Cavs played, the shooting was just non non-existent. If Mitchell and Garland were not on. The paint was just packed. Yeah. There was very little room to operate. Having that shooting will open up more touches down low for Mobley to play around in the post. Um, at the elbow, he's going to have more opportunities. So. This is an important year for the Cavs in general. I mean, Donovan Mitchell could be asking out if he's unhappy with how things are going. This is an important year for the whole organization, but it's an important year for Mobley. We're not at the point, though, where, you know, if he starts off slow, we're looking at, okay, who's a disgruntled superstar that we could deal in for? Fair enough, indeed. Joe, get back to you, my friend. I want to continue the conversation here with Mike Angolano. Please go ahead and support him today at Fear the Sword a part of the SB Nation, also as well, Palace and Pistons podcast. Joe, any thoughts as far as the Cavs? Again, this is a team I'm thinking right now, still in the early stages of where I'm looking at as far as the Eastern Conference, but there's a lot of momentum from them here, betting-wise here in Vegas, on them finishing very high in the Eastern Conference uh, during the regular season. So, Joe, any questions that you have for Mike right now on the Cleveland Cavs? Is it likely that if things don't go well, that Donovan Mitchell would be asking for a trade this early? He's got another year in his contract, and then he's got a player option after the 26th season. So is that – I just feel like that's that sets a bad if, – if there is rumblings with that, it kind of sets a bad tone with the commitment of the team unless it's a leverage move to get more money. But I don't see – Cleveland not giving them the supermax if that's what ends up happening. Uh, I do see there are some large contracts there. There is Garland being one, and then Jared Allen's making what twenty million a year. Uh, is is Evan Mobley going to even? I mean, are they going to pay all these guys those kind that kind of money? I I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, most of these owners, even though. Dan Gilbert is a billionaire. I don't think these guys want to pay fifty to hundred million dollars in, in in luxury tax uh, or repeaters tax, whatever they call it these right. days in, in the NBA. So the the question is the 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 Cavaliers still have that tag of potential, but we've discussed this about the current CBA in that the CBA was created to help which is complete BS, help these smaller market teams compete, right? They keep using that fallacy when, in fact, it's actually going to hurt them more because if you do draft well, which they have, if you do make the correct trades, which they have, it's not meaning anything right now, especially after this year, if they end up going in the same way and getting out the same way, you're basically telling the Cleveland Cavaliers, you've drafted well, you've made great acquisitions, yet you're going to have to pay the piper in the end either way. And they can't. So what what happens to the Cavaliers? Are they just going to accept the fact that we're 
never going to be a destination area unless you get the number one pick and you draft the best player on the planet at that point, which these days, talking about hyped, we've seen what happened with Zion Williamson. It's not – this guy was supposed to be the next LeBron, which was asinine from the beginning. And then Wembenyama is supposed to be the greatest prospect, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, ever. This is with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still alive and LeBron James still playing and Magic Johnson and Bill Walton back in the day. Like, what, where's the, – the, the hype machine is, is at its highest and at its lowest in credibility. So if Cleveland starts the season, I don't know, 20 and 16, are they really going to panic? No, I, 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 I don't think so. But they are headed for a reckoning of some sort when it comes to their contract situation. Now, you look at Jared Allen, $20 million a year, and you think, holy crap, that is a large sum of money. But that's what Jakob Pertl was just signed to this past offseason. Now, Jared Allen's making Jakob Pertl money, which doesn't look as bad. Um, so that is a tradable contract. Like, like I said earlier, you know, there are teams that were interested in Jared Allen. He's still... You know, people forget he was an all-star that year with Garland as well, playing very well, another very good rim protector, another very good perimeter defender for a big, good touch inside. He did wilt in the playoffs under the weight of Mitchell Robinson, and he openly said that, which was a bit of a detractor um, here in Cleveland, you know, to hear one of uh, one of the players say, yeah, the lights were too bright. That's never a good thing to say. But still, it's a tradable contract. If you believe Evan Mobley is the five of the future, then – you already have your five on the roster. Um, I don't think the Cavs necessarily solved their backup big man problem. As a side note, Damian Jones is, you know, being Lakers fans, you saw Damian Jones. He always, he always looked like he should be better than he is. He was our starting center in training camp last year to give you an idea, Mike. Right. So I don't know if the Cavs necessarily solved the backup big problem, but that's for a discussion in, you know, December or January. But back to the contract discussion. So the Cavs could offer Mitchell, and this is from my good buddy Evan Damrell, who writes for Right Down Euclid, which is another great independent site you should follow. Cavs could offer him five-year, $259 million extension next summer, assuming he doesn't earn all NBA honors um, and that he'd pick up his player option for 25-26. It could be $371 million uh, in, in, in total, which is pretty outrageous. Uh, but that that would be for through his age 34, I think, season or age 33 season. So I see the Cavs offering that. I see the Cavs giving him that, especially if they demonstrate some level of success. Um, Dan Gilbert is a very wealthy man and is willing to pony up, as we saw with LeBron's second run through Cleveland. But his health is in a different position than it was at that time. Um, and 20 and 16 or 2015, like you said, it's not panic time, but it is let's get this right time. They may be, you know, having a fire lit under JB's seat um, after he was thoroughly outcoached by Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs. They, you know, they may be looking for a, um, one of their Ty Lue midseason acquisitions like they – or um, rather coaching changes like they did in 2016 when he took over for, for uh, David Blatt in the middle of the year. Those things, I think, would happen first. Um, they might look for an Allen trade to kind of loosen up their salary situation, and, and then they might be looking at a coaching change. But um, if Donovan Mitchell says, I'm all in, I like Darius Garland, I like Evan Mobley, and 
you know, when Mitchell was traded here, Brian Windhorst on the Hoop Collective said that Mitchell was golfing at the time and was running around the golf course yelling and screaming because he was so happy to be with a young, energetic team like the Cavs. If that is true, you know, I trust Windy to a certain degree, then seems like he'll be okay with staying here. They offer him the contract, you know, exactly. Yeah. What does it all mean? <laughs> um, I see them offering him that extension if he's game for it. Um, and they, they will make the salary situation work. I mean, we just saw the Phoenix Suns do NBA 2K stuff by getting Bradley Beal and filling out their roster with a bunch of just bench pieces that took less money than they probably should have, like Utah Watanabe. So um, I think they would make it work. They have the flexibility, like I said, with Jared Allen moving on. You know, Karis LeVert has a very tradable contract. Max Struess has a very tradable contract, you know, in, in a year or two as, as the salary cap rises. You know, they're going to have guys that they could uh, dangle out in a trade if they need to make the salary work. But it's a lot of money. They're going to get expensive quickly. Um, moving on from Jared Allen would be tough because he was kind of the crown jewel that you found in the aftermath of that ridiculous James Harden trade. Uh, they just kind of ended up with Allen. But moving on from him, if you got to do it to keep – you know, the core three of the backcourt and Evan Mobley, then you got to go ahead and do it. And, and and they have the financial flexibility to move around some of the their recent signings to make that work. So the most he could sign for is a five-year 290 extension. Is that correct? 259. 259. 259 and a half. Oh, okay. Well, I was close. I just guessed off the top of my head. I thought, okay, since he isn't developed because he was traded – I just guessed at like 250-ish. And like, wow, I was close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, get lucky sometimes, I guess. But, Sean, Magic Man, do you have any more questions for, for Mike? Because I'm telling you right now, the Cavs are very intriguing. If they keep their health, again, I see this team overperforming. Once again, another 50-win season during the regular season. Whether that translates into the playoffs, I'm going to ask him with my next question. But your thoughts, my friend, as you ask Mike another question on the Cleveland Cavs. Uh, yeah, no, I just uh, want to uh, feel the same way about as Mike does about Jared Allen. Just to reiterate the point. I mean, yeah, he is a traditional big, but he's one. He's probably one of the best, quote unquote, traditional bigs that the NBA seen probably in the last 10 years. I mean. Um, probably the last traditional big that's a comp for him is Tyson Chandler. Um, but I think Jarrett's got a, a, a little more well-rounded uh, uh, verticality to both his offense and his defense. But I digress, Mike. Um, I've often told this story. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Jarrett Allen is essentially the reasons why the Brooklyn Nets broke up their team. Um, Kenny Atkinson was adamant with uh, Kevin Durant that, you know, I know DJ's your friend and you want to play with him, but we play better offensively and defensively with Jared Allen. And he showed, he showed on the spreadsheet, Mike, he actually showed it to him. He's like, yeah, dude. So what are we going to do here? They, they fired Kenny, man, but that's, that's a favorite Jared Allen story. I wanted to ask you, about the ownership, man. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because unfortunately, Dan Gilbert suffered a serious stroke four years ago. And, and it appears like, uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if you've heard the same thing, but that Grant Gilbert, his, uh, his son uh, has a lot to do with what's going on with the organization. Now I realized that basketball operations wise is Kobe Altman's gig. 
Kobe Altman was able to take the Cavs when they were top heavy to a finals. And he's been able to build it back up to where now we're talking about them on the verge of being a solid contender. So what are your thoughts about, about possibly, you know, Grant being quote unquote, the, the man behind the scenes now and his relationship with uh, Kobe Altman? Um, it's a strange kind of secretive dynamic that they have back there. Um, and I, you know, I think the health of Dan Gilbert is significant enough that yeah, he, keeping the front office intact, which Kobe Altman got an extension, and I believe he was one of the, the like the first Cavaliers GM to get an extension in a very long time. Maybe Chris Grant, maybe before. I'm not even sure if Danny Ferry got one, but um, they they have a brain trust there. Um, Grant Gilbert, I, there was an I think I think there was an article from the Athletic that indicated that Grant Gilbert was, had a much more hands on. Um, role with the Cavaliers. That's where I read it, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure to what degree he has that level of impact. And I have not heard about Dan Gilbert's health in quite some time. It's, you know, maybe no news is good news. I'm, I'm not sure, but he's still um, in a wheelchair from what I'm hearing. Yeah. I, I, I believe he is still, still in a wheelchair. Um, it's a very secretive operation. Uh, th- this is not the Dan Gilbert that had Comic Sans when LeBron left the first time. Um, it's it's a very, very different front office structure. And it, it's part of the reason why I think they, they have been pretty adamant about keeping the front office intact. Kobe Altman has, you know, has been there for a while. He was uh, David Griffin's right-hand man, um, really was handed the, you know, the keys to a car that had just nothing going on uh, when LeBron left and has built it back up to what it is now. So an interesting dynamic, but um, the Cavs ownership has been probably the most solid in Cleveland, which is not exactly a high bar, um, but it is, it is a bar still. And, and uh, Dan has indicated, you know, he, or he's demonstrated in the past rather that he's willing to spend to keep a good team together and to keep them going. And, um, we, we might be seeing, you know, over the next couple of years, if that still rings true. And I want to add one note, cause I saw a question ruled through the bottom that Donovan Mitchell getting traded kind of ruined his chances to get Jason Tatum level money. Um, that's just what the Cavs can offer him next year. Uh, if he were to, uh, you know, elect enter free agency, he, he, w- he could sign a five year, $372 million contract. And that it would be more than what any other team could offer him he could sign on a shorter contract with another team if he wants to keep that flexibility open, but uh, it could be five year, three seventy two. That's about 63 and a half million dollars a year for Donovan Mitchell. So um, just to clarify that he can still get an, obs- an obscene amount of money uh, if, if he elects to go into free agency, which I would expect him to do. Good money <laughs> when you can get it. That's for sure. Uh, sure. Uh, we had suggested that talked about the same thing with when it came when it came to Anthony Davis, but because of his injury history, he, like his last contract, decided to lean into the safer money that was presented to him at the first opportunity rather than go ahead and wait it out and test the marketplace. Donovan Mitchell does not have that same kind of injury history. Do you anticipate him going ahead and and shunning the most likely extension offer that the Cleveland Cavs give him for a lesser amount, the 250-ish that we were talking about, and instead go for the 5372 that he's looking to get most likely if he were to go out on the marketplace? That's gonna depend a lot about how this season goes. Um and, and you know and his his feeling about how 
the Cavs are going to be able to compete this year and next year. Um, assuming that Damian Lillard gets traded to Miami, the Eastern Conference is going to remain a very difficult conference. Um, if he doesn't see a road to winning here in Cleveland for one reason or another, whether that be the head coach or just injury bad luck, and he's you know, seeing some of these other guys that are getting to the playoffs and not getting any farther – you know, he, he may elect to jump ship like like a Damian Lillard that says, okay, I've tried my best. I'm going to go somewhere else where I feel more confident in winning. This is going to be a big season. Um, I've said it a bunch of times. The Cavs are, are, are a team that underperformed in the playoffs. They should not have uh, gotten gentlemen swept by the New York Knicks with home court advantage. It just should not have happened. Um, there is more pressure this year. Uh, so if they are 20 and 20, uh, you know, at, at, at any point and, and don't look like they can uh, escape the um, monotony of, a, a you know, a, a regular season, like by the middle of December and, and they look a little flat and he sees J.B. Bickerstaff and says, uh, I don't really know if I can work it out here. You know, they again, they may move on from J.B. And, you know, I, I think if here's my hot take, I think if Quinn Snyder was not hired by the Hawks and and was a free agent. I think the Cavs may have moved on from JB this off season, went with Quinn Snyder to bring him to Cleveland to, to work with Mitchell, who uh, Mitchell liked him a lot. Hot take. I have, there's no source to back that up. I'm not someone that you can aggregate. I, I, I don't have anything like that, but just a hot take um, to appease uh, Spida. So it's going to depend a lot on this year and, and, and then the outlook of, of next off season as, as well to, you know, to see if he's going to elect to move on. Um, the Cavs, I'm sure, are bracing for both options. Um, they would probably prefer option A, which is he remains here. But uh, it's going to depend a lot on this year. You know, if they flame out in the first round, I, I would not be surprised if, if he says, hey, just a heads up because I'm a good guy. Um, I do want to you know, leave and go somewhere else. If you guys could work that out in a, you know, in a causal way, I would be happy with that. So going to depend on this year. It's going to be a big year for the Cavs, a lot, a lot more pressure than last year. Um, and they already had a little bit of extra pressure with Mitchell playing as well as he was. I will say this though, Mike, uh, once again, it's Mike Angolano from Fear of the Sword and also as well, the Palace of Pistons podcast. I will say that even though most individuals that cover the league like we do don't want to be aggregated, Go ahead, aggregate us. I want the Lakers fast break. Please go ahead. We'll take all the publicity that we can get. That's for sure, indeed. But that's true. I will say, though, that again, do you foresee another type of season with the Cleveland Cavaliers based off the way they're structured and their youth and the team health overall that they could go ahead and progress towards another 47, 50, 52 win season? get to maybe even second or third, or me, even if there's injuries with Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee could sneak into the top spot in the East. Will that translate into success into the postseason? I think that's what it comes down to. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about during the regular season. Cause I think they have a very good regular season team, but does that translate this time around to the postseason? You know, they had a very good regular season last year and it did not translate to uh, success in the playoffs. The playoffs, uh, it's it's a lot of matchups. It's a game of chess every single night. Who fits where? Who should match up where? Um, how are you going to balance those minutes? You know, when I look at it, the Cavs had two major flaws in the regular season and still won um, a, a LeBron-era level number of games in, 
in the regular season with the number one defense and a top 10 offense, I believe. I think they were eighth in offense, something along those lines. Someone could fact check me, but they had two major issues. Their bench was atrocious, and I wrote about that for Fear the Sword. Their bench was just awful. Uh, there was no shooting anywhere. Jetty Osman was either three for 15 or, you know, nine for 11. Uh, there was no in between. Dean Wade had a shoulder injury and it really ruined his uh, shooting ability in, in the later half of the season. Karis Levert, you know, bought into his role. He wasn't dealt at the deadline and he played pretty well throughout most of the season in that sort of six man role. Um, they fixed those main problems in, in, in the offseason. They had a solid offseason. It may have been a little. You know, boring by NBA offseason standards, but they went and got a shooter and Max Struess, who up until the finals was a, a very good playoff player, a very good shooter. Um, they went and got Niang, who is the stretch big that they were hoping Dean Wade would be able to be, but wasn't. Um, they went and got a backup center, for, you know, for whatever that means. Um, they got a guy that's not Robin Lopez that is able to spell Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in crunch time, which is important. Um, cause he, there was just nobody that they could throw at Mitchell Robinson in, in the playoffs. There was just, there was just nothing. And Jared Allen was not getting it done and they had no one to go to. Robin Lopez was washed at that time. They re-signed Karis Levert. They kept him. Um, they actually a good thing. They went and got Ty Jerome cause now he's going to be playing some significant minutes with Ricky Rubio, not being around the team for, you know, an unknown amount of time. They had a good offseason. They fixed the things that were the biggest problem. They went and got shooting, and they went and beefed up the bench. So theoretically, based on that, assuming that all things stay the same, which of course they won't, it's the NBA, um, they are primed to have solved the issues that they had last year, and that should translate to um, not having to rely on the backcourt to win games. Donovan Mitchell's not going to have to score 71 or whatever he scored against the uh, Chicago Bulls. You know, theoretically, you will come into the playoffs maybe a little bit more rested, um, a little bit more of with, with with an understanding of how to win basketball games if the backcourt's not playing particularly well. So to me, it seems like they solved the things that were the biggest issues. Um, they went out and got shooting. They went out and beefed up the bench. So theoretically, to me, that, that should mean at least they win a playoff series, at least. And that should be the expectation is they win a playoff series. And, you know, if you really press me, they – probably are should be in position to win two, depending on how this James Harden thing shakes out. Joe and Sean, uh, before we head over to ask Mike what his thoughts on the Lakers will be, do you have any final thoughts on the Cavs where you think they will be just seeing it from, because we asked Mike at the end of the show, we're asking him on his thoughts as an outside perspective on the Lakers. We might want to let him know our outside perspective on the Cavs. I think, again, it will be a good regular season for them. And I see them maybe maybe a conference finals. I'm going to say maybe, like you said, Mike, if everything breaks right for them, otherwise I'd probably see them as a second round exit. Joe, any thoughts on, on the Cavs, man, your thoughts for the season on, on them, your, your outlook there's, on them. There's going to have to be significant improvement between let's say Darius is, I know Darius is coming up, but he needs to maybe go into perennial all-star mode. And then Evan Mobley needs to be, a runner-up or defensive player of the year to improve on what they did last year. The East, uh, and I'm, I've said this for a few months now. The East is 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 gotten to the point where I'm I'm not falling for the 
for the trick anymore. Uh, and that could be a good thing for Cleveland because they could end up being the Atlanta Hawks of what was it, 2018, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, if if Cleveland was in the West, I would definitely be at a probably first round exit still, unless there was massive improvement in the current roster. Uh, it's it's similar to the Lakers, kind of in a lot of ways, except the Lakers have two stars. Lakers will determine their fate if their other guys improve greatly because we know LeBron is going to do what he does. We know AD is going to do what he does. Is Reeves and these guys going to go up a level? Same thing with the Cavs. Only only issue with the Cavs is there aren't any all-time greats on their team. So now... Can they be the Pistons of the 2004 season? That's pretty much where they could go if they wanted to make that run. If they make that run, there could be something there that entices Donovan uh, Mitchell to say, you know what, I'm going to stay a Cav. I'm going to be here with Darius and Mobley, let's say. Let's make us us three the, 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 for the next 10 years. Because I think that's... That's what Cleveland is hoping for. Going through this whole trading for this guy and doing that guy, it's exhausting, especially for a smaller market team. It, it is exhausting. And, you know, they 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 were fortunate enough to actually do it, which commend the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. You usually don't see that. Uh, and especially with the reports that he was excited. Uh, that That – I don't see why someone would lie about that. That's not something normal. No one is happy to go to Cleveland except LeBron when he went to, when he goes back the second time or when he went back the second time. But that's because he had unfinished business too. So, yeah, it's it's uh, this is going to come down to pretty much it's kind of just status quo. And can these guys improve from last year and their skill set? Are they going to put the work in this summer to say, you know what? The next time we see the Knicks, we're going to wipe the floor with them. And maybe, you know, they said, I, I appreciate the honesty. Not the first guy that saw the big lights and said, whoa. Well, now he's got a little bit of experience. We'll see if he can improve on it. And we've seen it happen before. I mean, shoot, Magic Johnson was known as Tragic Johnson in 1984. And this guy had already won two championships. Mm-hmm. So people can get brutal on some of these things and, and unnecessarily. But again, it's Cleveland and... Cleveland uh, does also have the fact that they're not going to have the kind of pressure a Philadelphia 76er franchise is going to have or an L.A. Laker franchise. So they, they can feel good that when they go to the, you know, go into battle every, every you know, other day, that they're not going to have that thing hovering on them all the time. And that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Mike, any response to that? or If they make the Eastern Conference Finals, it's a huge win. Yeah. It's a huge organizational win, I would say, um, to be in the position where they were a couple of years ago um, with Colin Sexton pleading to keep LeBron on, on uh, NBA draft night in a really just horrible question from ESPN to now, you know, being in the position to uh, compete for an Eastern Conference finals championship um, and maybe a trip to the NBA finals. They have done exceptional work with the luck of the NBA lottery, getting Evan Mobley 
um, picking Darius Garland and, and, you know, sticking with him despite a bad year. Um, they have done the rebuild, I think, the right way. I have attributed their success in a rebuild to what the Pistons should do. Like, that's the optimal outcome for Detroit is that they suddenly see massive growth from Cade and Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duren, and they're, you know, they're suddenly in a Cleveland position where they were two years ago. Um, so I think they are a model for how to rebuild a team that has that that really had nothing. I mean, they had that Boston Celtics pick in the Kyrie Irving trade, and that was basically it. Um, and now they're in the position that they're in. So it's not ideal, uh, you know, to be back in a position of, ooh, is our superstar going to leave? We've already dealt with that for long enough, uh, you know, as Cleveland Cavaliers fans with LeBron. Um, but to be in the position they're in, you know, a contender, they had as good of a regular season as you could have asked for. Um, making these conference finals will be a huge win for this organization. Um, so the, it is less pressure. They can still move on from Mitchell. They, they won't get back what they gave up, but they can pivot and move him if he so needed to be traded. Um, it's nice to have that level of flexibility, uh, but a first round exit is not going to get it done. I, th- I think they've moved past that point, And that's a really good thing because I'm no longer interested in uh, ho- hoping for 25 wins. <laughs> that feels like such a long time ago that we were like, oh, please just get to 30 wins. <laughs> Sean, uh, any thoughts for, for Mike on how you, the team will do, the Cleveland Cavaliers will do this season, my friend, before we go ahead and ask him the big questions on the Lakers and because I'm all in anticipation of what he has to say about the Lakers prospects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny, Mike, you had a, you had a hot take about uh, Spider there. I've got a hot take about uh, the Knicks and the Cavs now too. I actually think Mike 25, uh, 26 is going to be like the next like huge year for the NBA. There are so it's really top heavy with the, the free agents and really, really elite free agents, and he's one of them. But I, I actually think, Mike, that the Cavs are in a good spot. And um, what jo- what you uh, what was said about Donovan being happy on the golf course, I think that's that's real too. Because here's my deal: uh, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell are probably going to be the two hottest guards as free agents that year, Mike. And the Knicks are the fly in the ointment here because they're they're the most desperate team in all of sports. And if Brunson continues at this pace, Mike, I don't, I think there's no question he opts out, and they got to give him the max. I think that would prevent a move for for Donovan Mitchell to go anywhere. Um, I I think Cleveland's built a really good organization. I think he's happy there. And I think that flying the ointment with the Knicks and having to pay Brunson will, I think that'll eventually keep help keep Mitchell a Cav. And like you said, Mobley takes the next step, Mike, they can always move off of Jared Allen's contract. That's, that's a, a, not only a tradable asset, but it's, one that's going to be vaunted as well because you're going to get at least a first round pick for that contract and for the player he is. So I happen to think the Cavs are in a good spot, man. I really do. I, I, I know it's a big year and no Cavs fans are probably worried about 
maybe if Mitchell gets an inkling that eh, maybe if if things aren't so smooth, I think nobody says a damn word this year about wanting out and they just wait for 25, 26 when all that money starts rolling in. There you yep. go. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Also, once again, it is Mike Angolano. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Fear the Sword on SB Nation and also as well the Palace of Pistons podcast. I have one last question on the Cavs that I was asked in the chat, and that is about the second round draft pick, Imani Bates. Imani Bates once had a whole world of hype going into the college realm coming out of high school one of the top ranked recruits unfortunately did not pan out the way he saw got picked with a a little bit later second round pick by the cleveland Cavs. performed extremely well on the Cavs' winning run go isaiah mobley go your thoughts on imani bates and isaiah mobley's chances to make a contribution to the team this season i'll throw i threw isaiah mobley in there because uh, you know (laughs) usc i actually thought he would be very good I actually thought he would be a rotational player coming out last year. So what are their chances about making an impact this season? Hopefully. You know, um, Isaiah Mobley was the summer league MVP mm-hmm. uh, for the summer league champion Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, he looked great. He looked uh, a step above the other prospects in terms of polish. Um, I think he can be a rotation player at some point for the Cavs this year, whether he is the guy that uh, spells Jared Allen at the five or, you know, provides some minutes at the four, if there's an injury, I think he does have the capability of being uh, more than just Brobley. He could actually be more of a contributor. Uh, so I'm, I'm high on Isaiah Mobley. As for Imani Bates, I did write an article for Fear the Sword about Imani and how Cavs fans need to be patient. They do need to exhibit patience with him. 
Uh, he showed during summer league that his skill set is uh, very tantalizing. His shot making ability, particularly his tough shot making ability, he's got great range. Um, his live dribble is really fun to watch. He is a defensive liability still, but he showed flashes of not being horrible defensively. Um, but a guy that can hit shots on the wing and be a wing, uh, that's like the Cavs' biggest need. Uh, you know, if he if he were to pan out, I don't think he's a rotation player for the big league club this year. But the Cavs have a uh, solid G League team, the Cleveland Charge. Um, I think he's going to spend a lot of time there. He needs to basically be on a strict shot diet of only be taking certain area shots. He, he, he is a guy that at Eastern Michigan, I'm a Kent State grad, so I saw uh, Imani Bates twice with Eastern Michigan. And, uh, you know, the guy can score from anywhere or he could go three for 28 from the floor and really just zap any momentum. He needs a strict shot diet in the G League. Um, he needs to be in a good, solid basketball environment. He's had off-the-court troubles, but uh, he's got the potential. He showed that he still has a translatable skill set via the G League. So maybe next year he becomes more of a rotation player. But for this for this year, I think he's going to strictly be in the G League. And, again, being in a solid basketball environment without some of these you know external impulses that sort of got him off the path at Memphis um, – and even prior to that, that's going to be the key for him. But uh, certainly an interesting prospect. Um, very, very positive after the summer league. I, I was a little bit concerned that we'd be seeing just a sharpshooter that wasn't really hit much, but he showed some other skills as well. That's awesome. Again, he did look good in the games I saw him at summer league. So I'm very impressed uh, for the future of what he can bring. Uh, one of our, even uh, in our audience, Mississippi Dog, he was saying the Lakers should have gotten him in the first round, said it in the second round. And uh, right now, he is looking like he's got a better start to his future than Maxwell Lewis does for us. But before we head on out, Joe, you want to start off the questions for Mike uh, when it comes to the Lakers and, and uh, what he thinks the Lakers prospects will be this season? Actually, now that I know he's from you're an alumni from Kent State. I'm still trying to figure out. You, you've produced some pretty amazing alumni, one being Jack Lambert, the other being Correct. James Harrison. And for those who watch entertainment shows and movies, uh, Michael Keaton was a Kent State alum and Steve Harvey was a Kent State alum. I, I, I'm surprised there's still the amount of talent they produce there how, how are you guys not in the in a power five conference yet <laughs> well they also had antonio gates don't forget multi multi uh, i didn't mention it antonio he, gates. I, I did forget that one um he didn't this i find it hilarious that he didn't even play football at kent state yet became a hall of fame tight end or soon to be or wait, yeah he made, he, uh, he did, did did he get into the hall of fame i don't think any yet not I, yet right yeah okay yeah he will yeah that's yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting. You said Kent State and just a very, very good school. I hear, hear Kent State a lot. They produce what's what we seem to lack a lot of these days, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> the Lakers the Lakers are just going to come down to health, honestly. They've, they've put together the right team with the resources they could do. Is there something that 
that could surprise us that us Laker fans that have that, that might have not see that maybe someone on the outside sees in terms of a player that would surprise you. Or just any, it could be anything. Happens? It could be like maybe a set up a, a certain coaching decision. It could be an offense. It could be anything that would surprise us. I have yet to have ever been surprised. Could this be the year? Right. It's I'm, we're too in this to, to be surprised where we just know it well, but maybe a, a, from a perspective of someone who's not a Laker fan, someone who actually watches the sport and actually knows about the team, but from a different angle, would there be something here that could surprise us good or bad? It doesn't matter. You know, I've watched a plenty of LeBron teams and front offices try to try to desperately keep the prop that championship window open. Uh, the Lakers had a, a knockout off season to me. Um, I, you're right. I'm not a Lakers fan. I am a LeBron fan through and through, um, but they knocked it out of the park this off season. Um, they made the moves they had to make. They kept Austin Reeves. They kept Rui Hachimura. Even the D'Angelo Russell deal is not horrible because it is a tradable asset at just two for 38 or 36 that he was signed for. Gabe Vincent, another guy with NBA Finals experience, it shores up the point guard spot. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they get like a like a good rush of D'Angelo Russell play for like a significant chunk of the season, and they're able to turn that into another asset <laughs> that's actually more um, reliable later on in the year. Um, so that's point. that's my hot take because Russell's been Russell's hot hot and cold. I know that Lakers fans are very excited to have him back. But he could be one of those guys that you know starts off the year just scorching, and then they're you're, you know you're able to trade him to a team that is desperate for point guard help now, and you know you're able to get another asset back um, that will help you in the playoffs. You know, a full year of Rui Hachimura, he seemed like he fit the Lakers after kind of being on an island of misfit toys in Washington. Wouldn't be surprised to see him take a bit of a step forward. Um, he is much better suited to being a very high-level role player than one of the top three guys on a, any NBA team. I mean, we saw this with Washington. So wouldn't be surprised if he takes a step as more of an ancillary role player. But for surprise, I'll say D'Angelo Russell because he has the capability of um, <laughs> uh, being able to shoot you out of a game uh, or just play you out of a game as he is uh, you know, to have ice in his veins and just go off. So that D'Angelo seems to, whether he's playing well or not, and I think to some degree it's a little unfair. I think he got judged a lot in the Denver series. Even Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent, who's now a Laker, also tanked against Denver. So the the question I have on that, and I'll, I'll let Sean uh, go here soon here. I'm not going to keep it that long. If he plays well, you're not – apt to trade him if he plays like crap what team is desperate enough to want him anyways so you're i don't see the option there because i've been pretty adamant that i don't see lakers making any major trades unless there is someone out there that says i want to go to la but we've been arguing already this summer and i feel like we would be hypocrites if we were in support of it that you've already had two players who are begging to go to this team and are we going to be that that team for someone else who's disgruntled or whatever and i 
I'm tired of that. I'm kind of tired of it, honestly, from a outside observer perspective, not just a Laker fan. I just want this. I want it to be just normal enough of the demands in the middle of seasons. And when you don't get what you want and that's how I see the angel thing, if he's playing well, you don't want to get rid of him. If you're playing like crap, who's going to take him? And that's kind of how I, that's where I stand on that. Well, just to follow up on that, you know, in signing Gabe Vincent, I think you've almost got a point guard in the event that Russell does play well. I mean, Vincent was able to play significant minutes on a finals team in Miami. Is it as optimal as Russell? No. Um, a, a, a D'Angelo Russell that's playing well, you know, is a, a, a solid player on a playoff team. But, you know, they do have the ability with Vincent to have another point guard that can man that spot. Uh, so I think even if he's playing well, you know, if, if, if you're able to offload him before he hits that crap stage, it would be foolish to not explore and see what you can get for him. It might not be much. I mean, other teams might be savvy enough to think, yeah, he's going to you know, go back to shooting 27% from three, and it's just a matter of time. But it would be a surprise, right? I, that, that did answer the question. <laughs> uh, if, you know, if, if, if he played well, it would be a nice surprise because you're right, and it has been unfair. He's been put in some very strange situations. The whole Brooklyn thing being dealt to Golden State, you know, and then ended ending up in Minnesota. He's had kind of a wraparound time where, you know, he hasn't been able to stick in one area long enough to, you know, feel embedded in a team. But, um, and then, you know, to trade him again would just be cruel. But him playing well, that wouldn't be as surprising as, as maybe him being dealt. Sean, any thoughts uh, as far as what you want to go ahead and ask Mike? I know that she, our audience also had a question, but before we go ahead and I ask him that, your thoughts, Sean? Go ahead. Some questions for Mike on how he perceives the Lakers this season. Mike kind of summed up, uh, for my satisfaction, what, what he thinks. Um, I, I'd rather just defer my time to the audience. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. I'm, I'm like a U.S. politician. I don't need to reclaim my time. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I want to make sure you, you know that your time is also put to good uh, use I understand. as well. I appreciate it. Mike's time is as valuable as well. Our audience is great, Mike. I, I'll defer to our audience. All right. So I'll start off Kurt's question. He's curious to hear Mike's thoughts on Torian Prince and his fit. I know he had a small stint with the Cavs. Uh, I will tell you the good is that we're getting him on a much less contract, but that's after that he was not uh, brought back his contract was not renewed an option for $10 million in in Minnesota. The Lakers did sign him to a four and a half million dollar contract. He still shoots 37 and a half percent for behind the arc, but his defensive rating, like many of the additions for the Lakers gives me pause for concern because the defensive ratings for him primarily has also not gone in the right direction. Your thoughts on Torian Prince and how he was with the Cavs and how he may be a fit for the Lakers going forward. Uh, even then, the Cavs needed a wing, and Torian Prince was just what the Cavs needed then, and he is kind of what they needed now. Um, I like his fit with the Lakers. You had mentioned he is a guy that shoots 37-ish uh, percent from deep. His defense is still pretty solid. One year, four and a half mils, not exactly you know a, a big risk. Yeah. Um, he can help on the offensive side. He can help on the defensive side. He's a guy that uh, 
that's that's the kind of signing that when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's that's a guy that would help in a seven game series. You know, he okay. he's able to go in, get some stops against you know a, an opposing team's wing. Maybe he hits a three, uh, you know, no or two or three shots, and is able to get some momentum going on. Uh, you know, in a early or rather a late third quarter run. That's kind of how I envisioned it when I when I heard he was going to the Lakers. I like the fit. He would have fit on a lot of teams. Uh, and, you know, the Lakers added a lot of those guys this offseason that are like, huh, that's a guy that seems like he'd really help in a seven-game series. Or he would, like, spell um, Anthony Davis, like Jackson Hayes, for example, a guy that is able to just eat up some time um, so Anthony Davis doesn't have to play as much five and get beat up. Um, don't feel that way about Cam Reddish, but maybe that's another question. <laughs> um, I know that he has a lot of fans. Uh, he does. Uh, he's been asked to be on the Lakers by Twitter for several months now, and they finally got their wish. So we'll see if it's this granting of the wish will actually come to fruition. He does have to find an outside shot. Uh, but this team, because it believes in a more up-tempo offense, could be better suited to his talents. But then again, this is his fourth team in such a short amount of years. So we'll see what happens there. But Overall, just, you know, I cannot thank you enough for the time that you spent with us today, but it sounds like you have the Lakers going to the playoffs. How far do you see them going this season? You know, you had mentioned it. It's about health. It's uh, it's it's about health. Anthony Davis is either healthy or he's, you know, grumbling with a toe or a calf or something. Um, and LeBron is getting older and it's tough to see. You know, he's been the Iron Man for such a long time. But those ankle injuries are going to continue to creep up. Thankfully, he hasn't had anything, you know, super soft tissue. Had a couple of foot injuries, but his health is going to be paramount. AD's health is going to be paramount. But I think they added enough quality depth uh, with Hayes, you know, with keeping D'Angelo Russell. Austin Reeves has looked good for Team USA Basketball. They kept Rui Hachimura. Um, I think they have some depth to weather some some injuries, but again, it's going to come down to the health of their their two best players, um, and their two best players are one oft injured and two um, at at an age where it's entirely unprecedented that he's able to be this good at this age. So it's going to come down to health. I mean, they they can go back to the Western Conference Finals. They have that level of talent. The West is a bloodbath still, just a complete bloodbath. Especially if the Clippers stay healthy, which is another health you know disaster waiting to happen. But um, it's going to come down to health. They have the potential to be in the Western Conference Finals and beyond, but it's it's going to come down to LeBron and AD being able to play and be on the court. Such a tremendous job indeed for what he did for us tonight. It is Mike Anguilano. Please go ahead and check him out on the SB Nation right there for you. Fear the sword. At links we put in the chat, please go ahead and support him today at Fear the Sword, plus also as well a great show that he does, the Palace of Pistons podcast, it's interesting that you do work for both the Cavs and the Pistons. I'm not asking you to choose sides at all, but I haven't been able to hear anything back from our Pistons contact. Would you mind an invitation if we threw that out to you to come back to talk Pistons sometime next week at your convenience? Sure, sure. I would just have to replace the, uh, let's see, where is this? What is the camera? This uh, LeBron <laughs> championship from the Plain Dealer. I just have to replace this from selling from 2004 and then we're all set. Okay, fair enough. Absolutely. We'd love to have you <laughs> back. Uh, so I'll reach out to you on email. We'll go ahead and say day at time. That's 
preferable to you on that. Uh, and we just truly cannot thank you enough for, for everything on that. Did you get a chance to see your NBA Cup schedule as well? We already mentioned that the Lakers up front as far as their schedule for the NBA Cup. Did you get a chance to see yours as, as well? I, I did, yeah. The, the Cavs will play Atlanta, Indiana, uh, Detroit, and Philadelphia. Barring some circumstances there, especially with James Harden, you guys could find yourself in Vegas pretty easily. Yep, Cer- mm-hmm. certainly looks like it. It's it's that giant asterisk that is the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> what are your thoughts Seems on like that? Two S's. Season. Yes. Right. What are your thoughts on that with Harden before we head on out? He's a... Uh... That's okay. We were brutal on him <laughs> yesterday. So He... Uh... He he's just, you know, he's willed his way out of Brooklyn, forced his way out of Houston. Now he wants to force his way out here. It's it's it's, it's a look that, you know, I don't necessarily think his trade value is already what you would expect a player of his caliber and history to have. But coupled with his age, coupled with the tendencies he's had the last couple of seasons, you know, if he really is dead set on the Clippers, the Clippers can make that work. But the Clippers have no reason to give up anything of value if he's going to just pout his way out. And Daryl Morey seems like he's going to plant his feet in the ground and wait this out, which is going to make Joel Embiid mad. It's just a mess. It's a complete mess. The best case scenario for I think everybody's for Harden to play it out, play well, and you know try to win a championship. Um, with certainly the didn't Sixers. sound that way coming from China the other day. You know, I thought that was uh, AI when I first heard it. I thought this is so ridiculous. There is no feasible way that James Harden would go to China and call Daryl Morey a liar, not once, but twice. I, I really thought I, w- I was getting pranked at six o'clock in the morning. I was like, there's no way this is real. <laughs> Impossible. Nope. Turns out it is. Shams had to get up in the morning and be like, well, wait, what is happening? <laughs> Tanya, Shams is always working the phone indeed, but Mike, you also have done a great job. Please check out his articles at Fear the Sword. Please, please check out his great work in advance of him coming back on the show at the Palace of Pistons podcast on the Believe Network. If you want, please, this is your time, the last part of the show, for you to go ahead and give cheap plugs to everybody out there on exactly what you're talking about. Go ahead. Shameless plug away time, my friend. Go for Shameless it. What you work on. Yep, well, absolutely. All, you all guys have stuff. done... You guys have done a great job uh, pumping me up in the chat. You can find all my work at Fear the Sword. Um, I am the host of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I know that SoundCloud's been floating through the chat. Please check out our Twitter account at Palace of Pistons. And you can find me at, boy, it's my last name, which is super vowel-y and, and Italian, but it's uh, at Anguilano M22. You can uh, find... Uh, um, you can find all my NBA takes there uh, as, as well. Um, but yeah, guys, it was a, a blast to be on to be able to field some questions from you. Um, and I look forward to being on to talk about uh, my my other team two and a half hours northwest of here. Joe, I know as a fellow Italian, you might have uh, some <laughs> things to say on that. I saw you giving that extra chuckle as well. Well, it's funny that the line the line is it's the O's, right? It's always the O's it at is. the end. <laughs> It it is. I mean, I've uh, never I mean, had a teacher pronounce my name correctly. I'm over did I even come plus close? college. You did. did. Even... You 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 nailed it. Okay, because I was practicing it for the last hour before we went on the air, to be quite honest <laughs> if, with you. If, if only my teacher did that. Anguilano, they didn't. Anguilano, 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 Anguilano. You nailed Anguilano. it. Yeah, okay, great. 
Uh, please go ahead and check out his great work today. Mike Anguilano, great part of Fear the Sword and also as well the Palace of Pisses podcast. Just truly amazing having you here. Looking forward to our conversation next week on the Detroit Pistons. Again, you and I will go back and forth exactly whenever you, would, you need to go ahead and come on with us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's also <laughs> that's cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, magic man! You've been quiet, been patient, been sitting on the side. And he gets dinged before we head on out. Oh my gosh! We go. I love our audience. The best Lakers chat that's out there. It's a Lakers fast break. I do want to mention Alfred Esmond, who was in our chat last night. He checking us out here on the show. He will be here tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking the Orlando Magic. And Jennifer Matthew Lewis, who's been on the show previously, she's going to be back talking the Charlotte Hornets on Thursday. Looking forward to that at 5 p.m. Pacific as well. But, man, I just truly appreciate, Mike, all the time you've given to us today. Looking forward to our conversations. Looking forward for everybody getting back in touch with us here. If you have any questions, down below, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com or LakersFastBreak on social media. Always appreciate it. Please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break.